there's one word that can sum up the years since the inception of the pandemic to today, it's division. Advocating for marginalized groups has been a polarizing and surprisingly divisive topic in the past few years. Meanwhile, through the use of surveys, America over the years has gradually grown out of Christianity and much more embracing to a new age spirituality as well as pantheism. Pantheism is the belief that the universe and the energy stemming from it not only governs the cosmos, but even our everyday lives. Kiana McCants, author, businesswoman, and social justice leader has had her fair share of all the above, whether it's the opposition that comes with advocating for black women or her deconstruction out of Christianity. In today's episode, we explore the journey that she's taken along the way as well as help understand the shift in mindset in her spirituality. Welcome to episode eight of The Pushback. All right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of The Pushback Podcast. Uh, Today, we have an extremely special guest uh, today. Um, I really, really feel that this conversation is going to be really important to a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. Um, I have none other. Uh, matter of, I'm not. I'm not going to do you justice, my sister. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself uh, to my listeners? Thank you very much. First of all, thank you for having me. It's always an honor to share my story, to share my journey, and in hopes that it inspires somebody else to to do a little bit more. My name is Kiana McCants. I'm the author of Black Economics, The Activity, Plan, and Journey to Holistic Health. I'm the owner of the Lacey Legacy Company, which is a consulting company for career advancement, focusing on interview prep and resume writing. I serve as the chair of social justice for a civic organization located here in Atlanta, advocating for women and girls of color. In addition to that, I'm a senior strategist for a national brokerage firm. I'm also a wife and I have two kids, <laughs> a little busy. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. And um, as the urban philosopher, Sean Carter once said, you could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. I really appreciate uh, the time that you're taking to, uh, to be with me and just conversate and just uh, allow others to feed off the same uh, feed in, get inspiration off of your story, Kiana. So I definitely appreciate it. Um, I definitely wanted to uh, ask you how you got into um, activism in terms of social justice. Uh, We know that history has not been kind uh, to those that attempted to fight for the oppressed, to fight for inequality, uh, and uh, rather to fight for equality. Um, Instant opposition the second that you put your foot to the ground. Um, I would love to hear what inspired you to get into activism. Thank you for that question. You know, it's interesting because I've always felt like an advocate for others. Um, I've always been the one to speak up and I grew up in not the best neighborhood. I grew up in Northeast Portland in the eighties, Portland, Oregon. That is a lot of gang violence. I didn't realize um, my mom did a really good job of making sure we didn't know that we were without certain things. So we weren't hungry. We had clothes on our back. We couldn't participate in everything. Probably that was for the best. But one of the things my mom used to tell me is when I probably would try to get myself out of trouble, she would say, you should go into litigation. However, right at this moment, your uh, negotiation skills don't work on me. 
So, <laughs> so I don't know if it's just kind of always been in me, but I've been known previously as a rogue activist. If it was a fight and it was a good fight and there was some type of injustice that I perceived, I'm going to be in it. And if I can fight yeah. for someone to use my competence and use my voice and to use my research and to use my experience, then I'm going to do that. And you're right. It didn't always land in my favor. You know, sometimes I fought for people and I got them their win. But on the back end, yeah. I lost from a reputation mm. standpoint, from a politics standpoint to being known as, you know, she's going to she's going to go for it. And people don't always want that. And I've done a lot of volunteer work over the years and I was tapped on the shoulder to join this organization and it's structured, it's structured advocacy. The events that we hold are fundraising events to bridge the economic disparities, which don't allow some black girls to go to school. We provide those fundings. When we see policy, policy um, disparities, we're writing letters to the senator saying, we want to see a change here, or we want you to vote to get this bill moved forward. And we're constantly educating and advocating, but doing it in a structured way. Uh, will some people still look back and say, you know, there she is still fighting? Absolutely. And they're probably going to do that um, for the rest of my life. I just don't see that once it's in you, it's in you. That's what you do. You can't ignore it. You can't ignore seeing that in a Title I approved area that these kids, they only eat at school. That's it. They don't right. eat at home. Yeah. And you just, you can't ignore it once your eyes are open to it. And here I am still advocating, but now in a structured manner, maybe still a little rogue, but in a more structured okay. manner. No, that's awesome. That's that's beautiful. Tell, tell us a little bit about this organization and uh, what you guys do collectively. So it's a civic organization out of Atlanta is where the headquarters are. We advocate on behalf of black women and black girls in the area of health, education and economic empowerment. We are one of the largest chapters in the United States. Like I said, we hold fundraising events that support funds for scholarships for kids to go to school. We actually get involved in police reform with engaging officers with the high schools on what the laws are, how to interact, the changes that we want to see. We go to the Capitol and we lobby right next to um, everybody else. And we are there advocating for changes in policy. We're advocating for bills to be written. Um, sometimes we are writing those letters as well. And we're constantly out there. And one thing we don't do is community service. It is very much advocacy every step of the way. Mm, mm, I love that. I really, really love that. What And, and, and because there's so many different causes of inequality and injustice, um, because as we know, like this is a this, this is a crazy world that we live in. What what drew you to this cause particularly? Well, social justice has always been a passion of mine, and we have multiple committees within our organization. So we have the health, you know, impact, and they do health fairs and are taking blood pressure and testing cholesterols in communities where they may not be able to afford to go to the doctor. We have our education committees that are literally located in the schools and they're pulling kids out of class to teach them leadership. 
um, avenues. And then for me, social justice, we specifically, that's where the government is involved and we're doing the litigation. Um, in addition to that, police reform falls under social justice. One of the events we just had was around military reform. And that's not just black women and black girls, even though black women are more heavily impacted by PTSD. We have a lot of room to advance when it comes to taking care of our veterans when you know, they get out of the service. So we did a pay equity transition course of how to translate their skills to a corporate level or a civic level if that's what they want to do so that that reduces some of the financial stress that they're burdened with. Wow. No, and, and, and I think um, it's it's very interesting because it seems like some of the overlap with some of the causes that you fight for, especially as they pertain to uh, black women, uh, there already seems to be a common denominator of of financial support or financial education. Um, was this something that was intentional? Was it something like a sort of revelation that you kind of stumbled upon to where, you know, this this is this it, it was like a. a, a for lack of a better term, like a conjoined passion of yours? Yeah, I like to say that the universe gave me no choice <laughs> but, but to follow this path. And I say that because I used to be in restaurants. I actually used, used to want to open a jazz bar. I don't want to do that anymore. It's just not my thing. But when I had a family, my priorities shifted really quickly to where I didn't want to be at a restaurant at 10, 11 o'clock at night. I wanted to be home. I wanted to be home with my kids. I wanted to be home with my husband. Like, I don't want to go anywhere else. Like, this is it. Like, to me, like, that's what you're looking for. And so I started looking for other careers and I decided to apply to some jobs in banking and had nothing to do with my uh, passion for finance because I could care less. My thought was I'm going to work a nine to five because at night and on holidays, I want to be with my family. And I think this industry can provide that. So let me yeah. go for it. And when I got into it, I started getting this like this wealth of knowledge that I wasn't exposed to. And I did pretty well in restaurants. I was a general manager, you know, running the entire show. But there was still so much from a retirement standpoint, a credit um, standpoint, wealth and investing and just basic cash flow and budgeting. I just wasn't exposed to that. And as I was learning myself, I started to identify some trends and the other people that were coming into the bank with overdraft fees or my family and friends that were asking me questions because, oh, Kiana works at the bank, ask her, right? I was noticing a trend that there's a gap in information Mm. in communities where people look like me and I'm not going to take this information lightly because I take it as a gift and an honor that I'm able to learn this and a responsibility to spread that education to people who may not have had the opportunity to work in a bank like I do. Wow. Wow. That's incredible that in, in, in your pursuit of work-life balance, um, that it essentially gave you like a platform uh, towards like this sort of automatic implied trust. And it, and it seems like it, your your character got you there and it seems like your your position um i feel like kind of gave you like the platform to do that mm-hmm. but I, i'm 
I'm, I'm always under the impression that no matter what line of work you're in, um, you know, yeah, you may be working for ABC company or whatnot, but I think ultimately whenever people are, you know, coming to you specifically, I, I believe that your character becomes your brand. Yes. You know, the, 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 the individuals and, and people could easily go to um, any other institute or any other com- like competing company. Um, why, in your opinion, and, and, and this might involve a little bit of like reflection and, and, and I don't know, I guess a little bit more introspect, but why do you believe that people were were very drawn to you? When it came to like whether it was uh, your position within the bank or whether it was like things on the outside, because I think especially activists, you're you're leading by servitude. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're serving an entire community, um, and then when you do that, uh, you 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 some you you whether it's intentionally or not, you end up creating a following, mm-hmm. and you know, not everyone that pursues that gets followed you know there, there's 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 plenty of voices out there still crying in the wilderness that um either aren't being taken seriously are being silenced or they're just not making enough noise but you've been fortunate enough that in your pursuit of activism that you've been able uh not only to create a following but you you're you're even a part of the board correct and that's something that you're elected to yes yeah, like so. I want to ask, like, what, what, what? How do you believe that you've gotten so influential, not just within your community, but just overall? Because it seems like no matter where you step, people tr- like have this like intrinsic trust in in you to guide them. Well, I think you said a a few key things there. One of the things you said pursuit, and I've never <clears throat> interpreted my journey as a pursuit to help anybody. I just help them. It just came natural. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the difference when you're known for being the fighter for other people, you don't, you don't pursue anything like the fights. They find you, <laughs> you know, it, they just find where you're at. And when you build that reputation, I think it sets a groundwork or a framework for being genuine because when you're pursuing Good. something, you're strategizing, I think, for it. And what's the intent? If I'm pursuing something, there's something in it for me that I want. There's something in it that is going to benefit me. But when you're out advocating for somebody and you're not pursuing because people are coming to you with the fight or you're right. seeing the fight, then it takes away the benefit because there's not, there's not a lot of benefits for me to advocate for other no. people to get into their business and to fight for pay equity, to fight for racial justice, to fight for all these different things. I'm typically the one that gets a lot of the backlash. And so it's not a pursuit for me. It's like, it's like embedded with who I am. And said, you know, I, I mentioned the universe before, but I truly believe that our energy draws us to different places and that there's perfect mm. placement and the perfect placement may not always feel so perfect too when you, during the outcomes. Right. It may be pretty painful or you may get tired, you know, but I still believe in perfect placement. And I believe that the universe said, you got to get out of restaurants because even though you like food and you can cook a little bit, this is not your perfect placement. 
your perfect placement yeah. means that you got to learn a whole bunch of more stuff, right? The battles that you are fighting, you don't have the resources to fight them. The battles that you're fighting, you don't have the education to fight them properly. You got to get yourself in a position to where you're backed yeah. by resources, to where you are backed by education to where when you go to these battles, you can win on a bigger scale and not for you, but for your purpose. That's good. Very well said. And, 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 you know, it's, it's interesting because like what you say hits a little bit close to home to me. And I think that we're actually going to be this, this is actually a perfect segue into something else I wanted to talk to you about, but you, you mentioned how, like, as, and, and forgive me if y'all hear my kids in the background, as always, my goodness. <laughs> but if I, I, you said something very true, and that is anytime that you do any sort of advocacy, you I, I don't think people realize this. And, and I think it's very easy to kind of look at even some of the polarizing, um, you know, figures in the past that have advocated whether, you know, it's the Martin Luther Kings or the Malcolm X's or what have you. Um these and it's very easy to look at them in retrospect as like this sort of heroic you know getting all the shine mm -hmm. sort of thing but i don't think people realize that they're also a shield uh absorbing a lot of the hits on behalf of a community because then it's almost as if a community has a face to to to, to throw yeah. stones at you know now it's not just this sort of uh you know monolithic entity but it's also like this direct representation the same way that if you know um on a trivial you know perspective if, if someone wanted to make fun of you know a, a local sports team you know they, they get to talk about the coach they mm -hmm. criticize the coach or they criticize the quarterback when you talk about their leadership you're inherently you know involving the community that they lead or serve or what have you and the reason why this hits a little bit close to home it, and, 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 you know, I, I really wanted to segue into something else I wanted to talk about. Um, there was uh, a huge um, scandal years back. I don't want to go into too much detail or, I mean, honestly, I don't mind anything you ask. I'm, I'm, I'm down for it for the sake of the conversation, but um, around my sphere of influence, there was a, a, a church I used to be a part of. And to make a really long story, story short, there was a ton of uh, things that were revealed on behalf of the pastor, uh, a, a ton of things. And, you know, after I had left um, that sort of burden and very similar to like what you described, this sort of embedded rage, this sort of like, uh, like unrest, mm -hmm. you know, for, for, for not for not acting you know, really like stayed with me for four years. And for four years, I attempted to rationalize it in such a way where it's like, you know what, this is probably somebody else's job. You know, this isn't, you know, my battle to fight. But I honestly felt like I was going against not just my conscience, but even like my God-given convictions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I ended up speaking to some of the victims that were involved. Um for the most part, everybody was in agreement and, and, you know, gave me permission, uh, to speak on their behalf, um, except, you know, um, one individual who obviously, you know, I, I respected, you know, I didn't, didn't bring them up or anything like that, but I ended up going public on social media and, you know, called, um, 
you know, the, the, the leader out as well as the, the immediate community. And <clears throat> what you said resonated with me because when people began to um, essentially defend themselves, they did it in such a way to where mm -hmm. I was attacked, you know, um, disgustingly, I also heard them making accusations about the victims as well. Oh, they're lying. They're making something up. And, and, and to me, and I think that this could probably apply to like almost any other sort of like injustice, whether it's, you know, for lack of a better term, spiritual. And if it takes place, injustice mm -hmm. is injustice, you know, something unjust. But it's incredible the lengths that people go to um, to either discredit you or to silence you. I've heard people say um, about the victims, I heard one individual say, oh, well, you know, it's been so many years, God should have healed mm. them by now. And, and it's incredible to me how people will place the burden on victims and, 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 you know, very much like, you know, you, you speaking on behalf of uh, the black community, especially like as it pertains to, uh, to women, you know, like I've, I've heard, you know, different pundits and, and say things to the effect of the point, they'll point to like a very small minority of very successful people. They'll be like, they'll mm -hmm. bring up the Oprah's they'll bring up the, the Barack Obama's who, you know, reached the highest uh, office in this country and, and and to me, it's just very interesting that no matter which example you use, be it Oprah, be it the Barack Obamas or the Jay-Z's or what have you, it's very interesting to me that you almost have to like fish from a percentage point, this extremely small percentage and the amount of work that they had to do, the amount of uh, tribulation that they had to endure. And then even then it took a while for mm -hmm. acceptance, you know? Um, and, and it's just, it's interesting to me because I don't think people understand that when you do speak out for any community of any form of injustice, how that enrages, for lack of a better term, oppressive yes. minds, you know, uh, uh, because they, they will shift the blame. <laughs> they will discredit, like you will hear all sorts of mental gymnastics to as to why what you're doing is actually right. wrong. And it's, it's just amazing to me, but the segue that I, I, I found in what you said, you mentioned several times mm -hmm. the universe, you know, you, you, you accredit a lot of the things in terms of your path, in terms of like the direction that your life has gone uh, to the universe. And when, when me and you first spoke, uh, you did tell me that you used to be a Christian. You you used to believe um, in Jesus in terms of like lordship. And now, um, and correct me if I, because I don't want to misrepresent you right right now. You're sort of more of in a uh, new age sort of spiritual um, journey or relationship. Would, would that yeah. Be so the closest title, and I'm not big on titles when it comes to spirituality, but the closest title that you would find would be pantheist. Okay. So, and it's right. definitely yeah, yeah. not atheist. People call me atheist all the time and I'm not, <laughs> I'm yeah. not an atheist. I'm non-thesist. 
right? Because atheist means I don't believe that there's any divine power whatsoever um, from a coordination standpoint. But I do. And I believe that from Christianity standpoint, that the universe is bigger and that energy Mm. is bigger. If I smile at someone on the street, there are good odds that they might smile back. So I transferred energy Mm. to them and that that's how the world works. It doesn't mean, but it also allows the idea that bad things happen to good people. It also allows Mm. the idea that I accept your belief because you're allowed to believe whatever you want. It doesn't minimize. And I did. I used to be Christian. I used to go to church. I had a great church. There was no issues. We actually did a lot of volunteer work. I was part of uh, virtuous women, all of that stuff. And then, you know, I had some relationship issues. I went through a pretty bad divorce. And I remember two specific instances, one where I felt unsafe and I left the house and I drove to the church and I just sat in the parking lot. And I was like, I don't know where else to go, but I felt safe in that parking lot. You know, and I just, I remember praying and saying, you know, how do I get out of this? Because I may not get out of this alive. Like this, this is getting pretty rough. And at the time I had to, my girls were very, very small. And I remember another instance where I was literally on my knees, on the floor, praying with my head down. And then I just thought, I was like, shoot, I've been doing this a lot. And this situation is not getting any better maybe it's because I'm spending so much time looking down at the ground, waiting for a savior that I can't see how to use the wisdom and the tools that are around me, these universal happenstances to help navigate myself. I felt like Christianity was allowing me or motivating me to be helpless And Mm. when I finally said, I'm not going to get down on my knees and and do that anymore. I'm not going to look down at the ground. I'm going to look straight. I'm going to strategize and I'm going to get myself out of here. I'm going to get my kids out of here. And I started to see the change in my life. I started to see that, you know what, that we have more responsibility than waiting for a hero. And what I found, and I haven't read the Bible in a long time. But what I started to find contradictions in the Bible from how I saw life working in a genuine care form. And what I mean by that, you know, there's scriptures around obeying your master, right? And we don't use those words anymore, but it's weird because I believe in hierarchy. I believe if you have a manager at your job, you need to show them some respect. Like they have the title. You may not agree with what they do, but it can yeah, also yeah. be in some really bad context to where, you know, it dated back to slavery. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute, obey your master. I don't even think so. Like, <laughs> like that's not how that's supposed to work. <laughs> and then, you know, I just right. started to find these things that were conflict for me to where I was having this mm-hmm. internal battle. And the more I focused on, let me pray and let me wait, I saw my life passing me by. I saw me not showing up 
for my daughters, how I wanted to show up for them. I didn't want them to be in the situation that I was in and waiting for a hero. I want you to get up and get yourself out of there. Do it, move and count on the resources that you've been given, the experiences that you've been given to know that you can do it. And that if you do the right thing, it doesn't mean that life's going to work out flawless. It just means you have a better opportunity at success. And what I mean by energy transferring too, it takes away to me some of the victim mentality to say, God, why did you allow this Mm. to happen to me? Because I've been faithful. I've I've done what I'm supposed to do. And yet I still was in this position. Uh, To me, it takes away the victim mentality and say, put some ownership on yourself that life is not going to work out flawlessly, but you got to take steps to correct it. You got to take steps to heal. You got to own your triggers. You got to manage your triggers. You have to actively, actively work at your own life. And if you want to sit down on the ground and wait for somebody to save you, keep doing it because you're going to be waiting there a long time. That is that is so real. And, you know, you 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 said so many excellent talking points that I felt like almost deserve their own discussion, you know, and it, and, it, and it's and it's very interesting to me because on several on several different levels, you know, first, uh, for anyone who's not familiar with the term, uh, you know, uh, pantheism, um, it's uh, interestingly enough, they accused uh, Albert Einstein of also being an atheist towards the end of his uh, towards the end of his uh, life. In the beginning, he did start off as an atheist. He did not believe in in a god period um and as he began his pursuit his scientific pursuits and uh for him you know he he felt that there was too much order in the universe uh he also acknowledged the sort of chaos and entropy of it all but he felt that there was this sort of divine um supreme design to the to the universe that allowed us to observe it also allow us to study it in such a way to where we could discover some of the laws. Uh, and for him, he, he believed the universe itself was uh, that, that, that source was that um, for a lack of a better term, the, the, mm-hmm. the God that the universe was God. So I think, uh, to my listeners, what, what, what Kiana is referring to, it's it's not this sort of like random thing, but the universe itself. And 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 I think we spoke about this um, the first time we spoke. To me, whenever I hear individuals, they'll refer to you know th- th- that 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 little small substitution of like, oh, thank the mm-hmm. universe, you know, it, 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 it's it's not raining today or, you know, wow, the universe put this together. It's interesting to me because, and I think I told you like my opinion about it. And I thought it was interesting because I feel in my personal opinion that the term God has been like, it almost sounds, it almost sounds smaller. And the reason why I say that is because people have, made God so tribal that when people like there's constant gatekeeping, like I'll never forget. um, I believe three, six mafia, they won like uh, an Oscar or a Grammy or something. And the first thing they said was, we want to thank God. 
and I'll see videos of like, I don't know, random entertainers or, or what have you, people that are not known mm-hmm. for their faith, but are probably known for opposite things, you know, when they're given a platform, they'll say, I want to thank God. And then I'll hear God bless their hearts, you know, Christians particularly kind of speak out and say, you know, if you don't live for God, then you shouldn't be thanking him. And and this sort of, and and, and like to one degree, I understand their zeal, but on the other hand, it really just sounds like this weird <laughs> right. gatekeeping, mm-hmm. you, you know, because it's like, wouldn't you want, you know, uh, individuals that even if in your mind are so diametrically opposed to God, don't you want them acknowledging mm-hmm. God, however hypocritical they may seem in your mind? wouldn't you want at least a thread of that but now it's like you're you want to disqualify that because it almost doesn't fit um this sort of caricature that you want to yes paint them in and and i and i feel that because of that along with various different scandals and abuses that have taken place in the church i think that people who it's almost like when the whole you know, BC was changed mm-hmm. into BCE, you know, the whole like before the before Christ's birth to, you know, uh, the common the common era, uh, like even that, like this sort of like removal of Christianity mm-hmm. specifically, because, you know, by, from a number pure number standpoint, it's the largest religion in the world. So I think that that's why you see a lot of this sort of language kind of distancing itself uh, from it. But going back to like some of the other things you said, I almost wish I would have met you years ago because I definitely would have tried to, um, you know, get you mm-hmm. back on the team because I, I did hear, I, I did hear some of the, some of the uh, objections and observations that you made that I think do tend to get a lot of rotation nowadays that I haven't heard individuals, um answer appropriately you know I'll, I'll hear things like oh you know they fell away because they didn't have enough faith or they'll find some way to blame right. you right again going to this sort of oppressive mindset they'll find a way to blame you um and almost cut to try to protect or preserve mm-hmm. their picture of god as if god needs that sort of advocacy um because God forbid you have like, and I feel like it's also like human nature and I may be getting a little bit too deep here, but I, I'm, I, I, I deem myself an amateur philosopher, but it's, it's almost like you want to really like immediately try to reconcile something that you can't explain yes. behind your faith, because then if you can't negotiate with like you, it forces you to negotiate with it. And if you can't reconcile it, then it's almost like, then what I believe Mm -hmm. is wrong. And I do believe that that is a sort of intellectual dishonesty because God forbid God allow or God do something that you don't agree with or that you don't understand. And to me, um, and I'm saying this after years and years and years of, you know, um, asking those questions like how is it that god could allow such and such thing or um 
why would why would you know why wouldn't he intervene in this situation to to being okay or trusting God mm-hmm. with the I don't knows. You know, and I feel like that's where faith comes in. The faith doesn't come in trying to negotiate and try to, you know, force an explanation. But I want to ask you when, like, because you you named several different things. And it seems like the Christianity that you were very much a part of, it, it, it seemed, and correct me if I'm wrong, but just, you know, based on what I was listening, it sounded almost as though you felt very passive for you like like as if like if there was an action that that deserved any sort of accountability or responsibility on your part it's almost as if your your impulse or your instinct or conviction was to pray and then yes. wait for him to do something and 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 may I, if if i may ask when you were growing up in the church and you were learning you know about about the bible about jesus and everything what was that more emphasized where it's like the whole put it in God's hands sort of sort of thing to where personal responsibility was not. So let me clarify part of that. So I didn't grow up in the church. So I may have, oh, okay, shoot, okay. I think maybe I've been to church like three times growing up when I lived with my mom. <laughs> and I remember each one of those yeah. times she was in tears, like she was she was struggling you know, on the edge of, I don't know what, because I was a kid at the time. So, but we didn't grow up in the church, but we also didn't grow up with the idea that God didn't exist. So we grew up praying for our dinner, you know, talking about it, but we weren't there every Sunday or really any Sunday. We went on Easter, I think sometimes, Um, but I really didn't get involved in the church until... It's probably in my early 20s, probably right after getting out of college. And I think I was introduced to going to church more consistently in my first marriage because his family was very much every Sunday um, in the church. Now, so my experience was very positive. I still like that church, mm. right? Like, I don't, I don't go, yeah. but... That experience, I didn't have sure. a negative experience. I participated. Like to me, the idea of what a church is supposed to do and connect with the community and serve the community, I found it there. So I didn't have any issues. Wow. I think it was wow. internal. Um, the idea of the Bible itself, and in my mm-hmm. mind, I'm like, I'm I'm not in a line with this. So I'm a hypocrite to showing up to this place that I like going. I liked all the people there. Um, right. They, the women's group, they actually supported my divorce, which I found to be odd. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're not posted. Like I was very frightened to say, Hey, I'm, I'm getting a divorce. They were very supportive. Like it was, it was an amazing experience. I would recommend anybody to go, wow. you know, to that church. I, think what changed something in me to say, I believe that people are bigger than their errors. I believe that people should be accountable for their errors. And Mm. I know one of you brought up Martin Luther King um, earlier and people have talked about him and his infidelity with his wife. And I'm like, I don't care. And they're like, what Keanu, you don't care. Like you're married. (laughs) No, I respect the union of marriage. But I don't believe that his right. infidelity 
takes away from all the good and change that he contributed to or initiated within the community. So you bringing up and how could we follow this yeah. immoral being? In my opinion, we're all immoral be- beings, just in different ways. So I well, found yeah. Christianity to be eliminating or exclusive to something, to an mm-hmm. ideology that of perfection that doesn't exist. And I'm like, so you're saying that he can't mm-hmm. be a real Christian because he had an affair? Well, then you shouldn't be a real Christian because let's start mm-hmm. rattling off the stuff. Like, let's go <laughs> through that. And when I... When I focused right. on what I deem as like the universal energy, I felt like I was more inclusive. I felt like I was more understanding, not mm-hmm. saying that people should do any of these bad things, um, but sure, I sure, sure. felt more inclusive to say, you know what, as human beings, we make some mistakes and some mistakes are really, really bad. And some of the energy that we put out, whether it's physical energy, right? Um, That's your physical crimes and all that stuff. It can be so detrimental that it can take away someone else's energy, meaning their life. Okay. Did that other person create that? No, but that's the power of energy that we have. And if we understand that everybody carries this energy that could be great or it can be explosive I think we look at things a little bit different. I th- I feel like I give grace more. And and people wonder why like I don't freak mm. out about certain stuff cuz I just wonder if there was times in my life where I probably should have been held accountable to a higher standard but somebody allowed me grace. Somebody allowed me to mm. have mm. human error and I want to do that and I didn't find that in Christianity. I I didn't find it there. I found, like I said, very exclusiveness from people who advertise being Christians. I always felt like there was two different kinds, right? There was kind of Christian that said every day, like I'm a Christian and I'm going to need to announce that. And I said, okay, well, that's cool. And then you have the Christians who don't really announce it. They just live their life. And the church that I found, I didn't find them announcing it. I found them living their life in a way that embraced yeah. in a brace that was not exclusive. And mm-hmm. it was a turnoff to me to have so many encounters to say, well, if you're Christian, I was told once that um, if you're truly Christian, it doesn't matter. And this was my first husband, what he does to you, you need to stay. And then they quoted somebody from the Bible. And I was like, that's the most ridiculous thing. This guy's about to kill me. Uh, like, I don't know. I don't know why you would like say something crazy like that. And they're like, because that's what the true belief in faith is. And I'm like, I don't know where you got that information, but I'm pretty sure, you know, I didn't interpret that way. And I just, I stopped the association and here's something else. So like I have two daughters, my oldest daughter identifies as Christian. She has a Bible. She studies the scripture. She does all that. And I support it. I support her doing that. And people are like, well, you don't believe in that. It doesn't give me the authority to not allow someone to have their own experience and their own relationship with their version of spirituality. It doesn't make me greater and it doesn't make me less, but I'm not allowed to tell her that she can't do that because her experience and her relationship with whether it's the universe or her God, I don't own that. 
I can't own it. So people always find mm-hmm. that very odd. Like, so you, your daughter has a Bible and she's like quoting scriptures and stuff. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, ah, oh, but Kiana, you don't, that, has, that don't have nothing to do with me. As long as it's in a positive light <laughs> and it's enhancing her being, I support it. So no matter what religion someone is, I can go through the lines and find something that I don't agree with, but I don't have the authority from a sure. universal standard to overstep that. Yeah. That's 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 really really fascinating to me on on several different accounts. Um because it sounded like, like as you mentioned earlier, the 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 experience that you had with your community was very positive. And in the moment, um, you know, which, you know, was essentially you choosing to get a divorce that rather than, than getting this sort of scarlet letter, you instead received, uh, grace, you did receive love, you received acceptance and you didn't, you weren't ostracized, but it also sounds like you did notice that sort of ostra like like people mm-hmm. being ostracized like in general um even if it may not have been necessarily within that community enough to kind of turn you off um towards teachings from the bible and then going going to that example that you mentioned earlier with the with the gentleman uh encouraging you to stay in 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 what sounds like an mm-hmm. uh, like it was an abusive situation and and it's interesting to me because I, I was actually speaking to someone yesterday and we were talking about uh we were talking about the bible but we were talking about how i think people are not just tribal in nature but i think people are binary in nature in the in the in the respect to where if there's a thought if there's a theme if there's a subject we'll automatically break it down into a binary stance. So for instance, whether it's, you know, pro-life or pro-choice, which one are you? Uh, are you a Republican or are you Democrat? Are you this or are you that? You know, what do you think of such and such thing? And and and, and we were speaking about that. And to him, we, at some point, because um, one of the, one of the like deepest subjects uh, within the Bible, within theology is the relationship between God's sovereignty like his his control over everything and the balance mm-hmm. of human responsibility and i told him because you know there's theological stances that people will argue one more than the other uh people will say um no god is always in control 100 of the time um you only do what you do because god preordained it or predestined it what have you while others argue God is a little bit more on the background, kind of giving everyone the freedom and you and you alone are responsible for that freedom. And, you know, something, something philosophical and theological like that has created so much internal uh, debate within the church that when I read the Bible, Mm -hmm. I, I see a duality. I see a paradox because when I read the Bible, I do see that God is in control. When I read the Bible, I do see that people have a level of personal responsibility. And it's almost as if I think it's human nature to kind of like think in these binaries where it's like, okay, two things can't be true at the same time. Um, 
because even even like when when you describe your situation where it's like okay you know you want to pray and 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 you want to get this sort of divine response especially in a time of hardship and and what i can imagine uh what i can only imagine is this this super super trying heartbreaking mm-hmm. maybe even depressing time you know and and seeing like like if someone like to that individual that's that encouraged you to stay i find myself more at odds with with him than i would than if somebody who did not believe and encourage you to leave and and to me it's just it's just weird it's just mm-hmm. i feel like some people don't embrace nuance and at least in my personal uh opinion i f- i feel like the bible has so much nuance but i think people are binary i think people are tribal and 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 people are are like that but i i i want to move on and ask you what brought you cuz i know that like for you it was it was a bunch of different things i i, I don't think that you kind of just woke up and said you know what this whole christianity thing i don't think it's true it sounded like it was something a little bit more gradual what would you say if there was a main thing that kind of led you to no longer believe that Jesus is Lord and that it must be the universe that is actually. Yeah. That's an interesting question because it wasn't overnight. I wasn't like, you know what? Forget this. (laughs) This seems seems kind of weird because like I said, when I was going through my divorce, I was very much still going to church. They were supportive of it. So that wasn't the moment that I let go. I started to, and I think part of it um, came through advocacy. It's interesting. Part of it came through advocacy. So I'm out Mm. teaching finance classes, right? Basic finance class, basic budgeting. I have these cash flow worksheets and I'm like, there's all these categories and then there's other, there's the other category like that may not be on the list, your rent or mortgage, power bill, car payment, whatever. All that stuff is on the list. And then there's other. And I started to tell people, and I don't know what triggered in me. I said, don't forget to for the money that you donate or that you give to the church. And I had them start putting that on a spreadsheet. And I ran into multiple situations where they're in the hole every month. But you know what was consistent? That tithing. And I'm like, you can't afford 10%, Mm. man. You can't, and it was interesting. I got uninvited um, to teach at a church again. <laughs> I was teaching at one, and I did that same thing. And I said, I think that they'll understand that you don't have food in your house. That if this month you can't do it, but that you're here and that you're working towards getting better and that your contributions will be better once you get in a different spot and how you'll be able to help other people navigate. I think it's okay if you miss, um, you know, this month's 10% and pay your rent, man. And so that wasn't taken very kindly. (laughs) They're like, they, no, they, they did not like that. They're like, "Um, can we talk to you? And I was like, yeah, what's up? And they're like, so it came to our attention that you're telling people not to tithe. I said, no, 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 that's not correct. I said, well, kind of correct. I said, I've asked them to outline all their spending and there's some people in here that can't afford it right now because their income is so low that they're barely able to survive. 
And they're like, well, we teach the opposite, that their tithing is what gets them their blessing. And that just really struck a negative chord within me. And I was like, no, you do not purchase blessings with cash. That is not how that works. And I'm like getting into a debate about this with genuine care and development, which allows them to contribute. Because I used to tithe at the church I go to. Right. But if I skipped it, they weren't harassing me. Sure. Um, but I also showed up to the volunteer events and I was mm-hmm. also teaching back of, you know, uh, finance classes there. So it really rubbed me the wrong way. And I taught in a few different places to where that was the same sentiment. And I said, absolutely <clears throat> not that we are paralyzing a community with a promise that you can't guarantee because you don't own it. You don't own this person's journey, so you can't guarantee yeah. that because they gave you $200 that now their life is going to change. And that was very manipulative to me because I'm very much passionate about people being able to feed their kids. You're not having to choose between yeah. the light bill and diapers, to, you know, to have not even wealth. And right. even though I'm in my line of business is wealth. I teach wealth strategies. I'm very much passionate about teaching stability and finance is a root of a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. And if you want people to be healthy, they have to be financially healthy and we don't sell promises to do that. And I just, and I got further and further away and I said, absolutely not. And I remember my days of working in a physical branch having conversations and I had a conversation with this older lady. She had to be about 70 something. And she was, she had just got her social security payment and she was coming to take all her money out the account. And I said, why are you withdrawing everything? I'm just curious. And she said, well, I have to pay my bills in cash, you know, cause I yes. basically don't have a good track record of writing checks. So I got to go to these places and make cash payments. Mm. And I said, can we talk about your budget? And she had asked me to put some money in a separate envelope. I said, man, ask what that's for. And she goes, I got to give this to the church. And that, and once again, I was like, and I asked mm. her why. And she said, they told me, you know, that my promises are on the other side. And, you know, man, I'm like, other side of what? It, life, you know, that if I'm my doing gosh. what I'm supposed to do now and keep giving my money to the church, it doesn't matter that I don't have food today that I will fulfill my promise on the other side of life. Meaning when she died and I just, it just hit me so hard that I was like, it's so there you have your genuine people out there doing their thing. They said, I have a church where I truly believe that that was what was happening. It felt that way, but I found too many to where I said, this is a manipulative mind business and people are suffering at the hands of it, I can't support it. But what I can do Mm -hmm. is still stick to my beliefs about supporting people that I can stick to my beliefs that no matter what happens, you still own the responsibility to be a good person. You still own without running yourself into the ground to help when you can help to provide resources. And that's how I live my life. But I also learned with transitioning, I felt like being under the Christian umbrella meant that I'm giving away all my life rings, whatever you throw into the water, while they're going to watch me drown. And I don't want to drown. 
I want to continue to pass out as many life rings as possible. But in order to do that, I better be sitting on one too. Wow. Wow. (coughs) I can't tell you how, how like on point you are. And and, And to all my Christian listeners, you probably aren't going to be listeners after I say this, if, if this is something that you cling to. But I, I really want to touch on that because I think it's extremely, extremely important. Um, this teaching uh, comes from one one place particular in Scripture. And, and, I, and, 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 and this is why it's extremely important. Whatever, whatever, whatever you believe in, whatever you know, religion you're in, whether if, and if there's a sort of text that you adhere to, why it's extremely important to be honest, not just in your intellect, but also in your reading. Okay. All right. So this is a free uh, uh, two, three minute Bible study for everybody listening right quick. Malachi chapter three, verse eight, you know, God is, you know, speaking through the prophet Malachi, Malachi speaking to the people of Israel. And, you know, the people of Israel has have distanced themselves from God in various different ways. Their fathers were and, and their ancestors were the ones that originally uh, were led by God himself, uh, you know, taken from Egypt, uh, from the slavery and captivity, things of that nature. Several, several, several generations had passed and they started uh forsaking some of the uh, very things that were given to them um, that God gave as ordinances that benefited them, that benefited their community and things of that nature. One of the things uh, was tithing and that sort of tithe, they were, it wasn't just this sort of like, they didn't obviously didn't have paychecks, but they had, there was, there was, it was, it was plural. It was tithes. It was everything from like, you know, a 10th of your crops to uh, a tenth of whatever income, a uh, tenth of proceeds, you know, maybe you sold some land or whatnot. But the people of Israel were rebuked by this prophet who was, you know, uh, commanded by God to rebuke them and said, you know, um, how can a man rob God? For you have robbed me. And then you will ask me, how have we robbed you? And I will say in tithes and offerings, bring this tithes all into the storehouse uh, that there may be food in my house. And I and test me now in this, says the Lord. That's that's one of the points of emphasis. They'll say like, well, he said, you know, uh, and test me now in this, that if I will not give you so much blessings that you will not have enough room uh, to receive it. So this very contextual, very contextual passage that was to a particular people in a particular time is projected and misappropriated in a day like today. And, and, and I've noticed that people only do that with the Bible. And I, I, I for the life of me don't understand because it's almost like if, I, if I'm reading literally any other book, any, any genre of literature, People don't prescribe things like this. It's like I could read, I don't know, Shakespeare's Othello. And you know how like he was this the uh, black man that was married to a woman and the people, you know, were, you know, saying all sorts of things. I, if, I, if I read that, 
and I come away thinking, you know what? I should not support interracial marriages. You know, people are like, what are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. this is a this is a, a work of fiction. It's a screenplay and it's blah, blah, blah. But people don't treat the Bible that way. Like, it, it, everything is automatically prescriptive. So despite this being, you know, uh, and again, this is obviously presupposing that people believe in the Bible, you know, but this was given to a very very specific group of people and and you honestly honest to god because because i've i've I, not only do i know this i also perpetuated this in some of the old churches i was the one who would read this and tell people that if you do not tithe you will be cursed with a curse because that's what that same chapter says and it, it and it, it'll, I, I used to tell people I'm like hey this is the only place in scripture where god says test me now in this right uh assuming that this was something that was commanded for us today. And in various of the examples that you gave, oddly enough, that clearly was not the case because people were giving and they were losing. They were not thriving. They were not, these blessings, these financial blessings were not happening. And you would, and mm-hmm. I feel like that's a, a cognitive dissonance for you to ignore evidence but continue believing that thing. And and, and, and and I promise you, you can still be a Bible-believing, Holy Spirit-having Christian and not tithe. I promise you can. I promise you, I promise you I can. If you cannot afford it, you have no business tithing. And if you truly you know, believe that if you tithe, you're going to get blessed then you should you should never ever 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 mm-hmm. ever be in any sort of financial hardship period and the second you are guess what maybe what you believe isn't true but people aren't willing to 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 reflect on that people aren't willing to ask themselves that question because of the ramifications of what if i'm wrong and that is scary i've se- I've, I've heard one of one of my mm-hmm. one of my good friend's mother lost her home that way because a, a, a quote unquote man of God was like, you know, if you, you could you could pay your mortgage right now, but if you sow it into the kingdom, God has such a blessing for you. And then she ended up her home being ended up being foreclosed. This is such an abusive practice that it's it's honestly it. It's one of the few <laughs> things that make me think, bro, the t- churches should be taxed. <laughs> it's it, like honest, honest to God. It's one of the few things that make me think that now I don't, it's just amazing to like automatic takeout tax exempt status. Like that's insane, but that's my rant. So for any Christians that, um, you know, want to talk about it, please holler at me because we, we can talk, we can, we, we, we can definitely talk about this. My apologies, uh, Kiana, I, I, I had to touch on that because I, I, I don't like, not only do I not like misinformation being perpetuated, I definitely don't like misinformation that mm-hmm. is abusive and could exploit people, you know, being uh, being circulated. I wanted to ask you one last question. I've really some of the things that you've shared are honestly have been have been super, mm-hmm. super like just gems. You having your own consulting uh, firm and, and you having so much experience 
teaching finance, uh, helping financially, um, for you in, 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 in what you've observed and what you've noticed today, what are some of the biggest mistakes that people are, are doing today that is keeping them either under their poverty line or not being able to cross that threshold? Okay. I absolutely have an answer for that. And I say it all the time. People promote themselves materially before they promote themselves from a financial health standpoint first. And you think about people who even have an increase of income, Hmm. they think about the first thing they're going to do with that money is get them something, right? Something that they wanted, even if it's a better place because their place that they live in isn't the best, but maybe they're supposed to stay in that place a little bit longer to be able to take some of that income and save it. So I tell people, what would you do if you got an extra $5,000? Right. Well, I need to get some stuff for the kids. I need to take care of this. No, you need to just pay off the credit card. You need to pay it off because that's your struggle every single month. (laughs) So instead of promoting ourselves materially and sometimes mentally, I think we fall into that. We have to promote ourselves materially because we're comparing ourselves. And I blame a lot of that on social media. But that was before social media. You know, that took place a long time ago when I was in high school. There wasn't Facebook and all these things, but everybody still wanted a brand new pair of Jordans. Right. When when my brother got his first job, I think at a car wash, um, making not a lot of money, but he made some money. He started buying himself shoes and clothes right now. Granted, that's not fair. He was a teenager to to make that assessment. But I think if we take time to say, (laughs) Mm -hmm. My washer and dryer still cleans my clothes. Yes, I want a stackable one because I saw it on someone else's page and it looked amazing. I want to be able to do that, that I really need to put some money in a savings account because I was so stressed out about my tire that blew of how I was going to pay for it. I don't want to feel that way again. So before I start materially upgrading I need to financially upgrade from a savings standpoint, from a credit standpoint. And yes, I believe in credit that we need to use and maximize it to our benefits because that's what affluent people do. Um, But yeah, don't promote yourself materially before you promote yourself from a financial health standpoint. And and you know, I I couldn't agree more because if you think about it, it's, it's not the sexy option. You know, it's it, it, and and I think that I'm a big believer that and 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 I've I've come to mm-hmm. realize how much psychology is in finances. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. And 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 to your point, um, you know, if I've been struggling for such a long time and I do come across, you know, let's say for whatever reason, like like my tax returns was just really high. Am I like if I pay right. off my credit card debt? That's not something I could visibly see, but, but if I purchase, you know, these shoes or, you know, go on this luxurious vacation or whatnot, this is something that's more tangible. It's more real to me. And even if I'm going to stay in this financial state, at least I can give myself this feeling as if I'm not. And I think that people 
you know, sometimes, and, and I feel like, you know, being yeah. in a place of desperation can almost be dangerous in that regard, because when you're in a place of desperation, you're not going to think clearly your, your judgment isn't always going to be sound. So then it, it, it's what I feel like tempts us to buy those, those non-appreciating assets, those essentially liabilities, you know, because I, I do think now, if you want now, if, 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 say for instance like like i have one of my boys like who invests in in shoes like he'll buy you know a popular shoe for the mm -hmm. super low discount and then flip them you know um i, I feel like that's different but i, I we right. don't have a, a mindset that thinks about assets you know like we we and, I, and it's interesting how like for wanting to have this sort of like image of wealth or image of you know, financial freedom will create extra liabilities for ourselves because if we look rich, then we may feel rich. And it's, 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 it, mm -hmm. that mindset is just, it's so real. What, what would you say are some things to, what are some basic practical things that people can do to write down out of your goals? Like poverty I've mindset? been promoted multiple times. It's how I'm a senior strategist now. And each time I was applying for a job, whether I got yeah. the job or not, I wanted to get ahead of my own mind, if that makes sense. I said, here are my goals if I get this raise. Here's what I'm going to do. Because my initial thought is, whew, thank you. Now, you know what? I can take my kids on a vacation. And that's still on the list. But I'm not going to put it top on the list. And if I didn't have my list sure. written, when I get that first check or when I get the offer... Because I'm so excited, I can start to activate on the other things that people can see. So I still, I have a list in my phone right now that um, wants versus my needs and they're separated. Mm -hmm. That way, once I make my next financial move, I'm going to go back to that list so I don't jump down to the wants first. And I want to, and I'm going to say it out loud because I'm going to speak that into the universe. I believe in that. Um, I want to get my floors done in the basement. <laughs> But getting my floors done in the basement is yep. not a priority until I meet a certain savings number for both of my kids' accounts. Mm -hmm. So then I can get, you know, the floors done after. That's good. But it's, you know, my credit is, is amazing. So I try not to post things on social media that I buy anymore. Like, hey, look what I got. I do post my credit score and people think like, that's kind of weird. Mm. No, I post my credit score because that's what, what I'm proud of. And that's what I want to change the narrative about promoting. You can't see that, but you don't need to see that I bought this new chair. It does You can't yeah. even sit on it because I don't really like people over my house. So it doesn't matter, right? But maybe if you see my credit score, maybe you'll inbox <laughs> me and say, can you tell me how you did that? Yeah. That, 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 that's more value. That's much more valuable in terms of you being able to share and inspire as opposed to, you know, maybe mm -hmm. a, a, a not so frugal purchase. And if you think about that's, that's the real flex, you know, like the bust down watch that actually mm -hmm. lost value the second that you added aftermarket diamonds to it, you know, as opposed to like the credit score that you have to now, you, you know, essentially you have banks begging you mm -hmm. to, to to borrow money from them you know that that you can easily uh leverage to your advantage and stuff like that that's mm -hmm. that's so real that is so so real 
Kiana, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and hearing your experiences and, and you sharing your wisdom uh, with me. I want to kind of give you a little bit of time to kind of use your voice. I know that you, you do advocacy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, essentially your, your entire life. Um, but to, to that person who, whether this person is someone who is struggling in a financial situation, whether it's someone who's in an abusive uh, relationship uh, or marriage to the person who is, is any, where in the chapters that you used to be in, what is something that you would share uh, in terms of an encouragement to that person right now? If you could go back and speak to past you who doesn't know what's ahead, you know, doesn't know about those promotions that you were able to obtain, you know, from the grind and and, and, and education that you received. I would say that that this applies to to whether you're physically hurting, financially hurting, mentally hurting, any of those things that secrets keep you sick and nobody can help you if they don't know that you need help. So I grew up in a household where we were told um, what happens in this house stays in this house, you know, kind of like keep your business out of the street. So growing up with the mentality, when I was navigating some of this stuff, I held a lot of the secrets I was embarrassed to go through a divorce. I foreclosed on a house after that. I was embarrassed that I was like, I'm losing my house. Like this is very embarrassing to me. And really none of it mattered um, because you have to say that you need help. Now you don't say you need help to everybody because everybody doesn't have your best interest, but understand that there's so many resources out there, but no one can make you leverage them. Right. When you go into your bank, there's a responsibility to provide resources, but you got to be transparent. You can't go in there and tell the bankers when they're asking you questions. Why do you need to know that? Because how are they supposed to guide you to a greener pasture when they don't know what pile of dirt you're over there standing in? They got to give you the right direction. And the same thing when it comes to mental health, you can have any religion that you want to. But there's a reason why. In within our universe, we have mental health care professionals because it's okay to ask for help. If you're in a situation where there's domestic violence, you can choose between keeping a secret um, and losing your life or sharing the secret and potentially saving your life. So secrets keep you sick Mm -hmm. and you don't have to keep them. You're absolutely allowed to share your journey and your pain because that's the only way that you can attract the resources to help you. So if you choose. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. It's the whole, like you can't heal what you don't reveal sort of thing. And, 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 and I love the example that you gave the practical example of like, you know, when, uh, bankers right. ask those questions mm-hmm. who are essentially paid to be nosy because you know what I mean? Like, like, and, and just like your doctors also paid to be nosy, you know, uh, your mechanic, like these people that it's different trades, different disciplines, different services granted. But essentially, you know, if, if I do not tell my doctor about a pain, um, I can't have anything, any sort of help or guidance in that regard. 
And I, I love that so much. Um, it's something I, I, I already kind of inherently believed in, but I think that you affirm that so much that I, I, I'm really, I really want to take heart to that and even, uh, you know, encourage my loved ones. Mm -hmm. And, and it's so true, you know, suffering in silence is not the move, you know, uh, people mm -hmm. shouldn't have to die of embarrassment, you know? Uh, but thank you so much, Kiana. This this was a pleasure. Um, honestly, <laughs> I could have easily flipped this into a five-hour episode uh, with the amount of resources and wisdom uh, that you have. Um, but I definitely want to be mindful of your time. Um, I, I feel like I definitely got to have you on again, even if it's for something uh, different. Because I feel like with the things that you do and the, uh, uh, and the ways that you serve, I feel like there's a bunch of different topics uh, under the umbrella of your expertise that we could have easily chopped up. But I just want to say thank it was you truly so much. my pleasure, and I would love to come back. On the pushback. Feel free. Awesome, awesome. For everyone else, uh, feel free to like, share, uh, subscribe. It don't cost you no paper, and if you don't, you just another hater. So yeah, tune in and check out next time. For everybody, grace and peace. I love.